0: Welcome to Write On Track, a songwriting podcast. Thanks to Tone for tuning in. I'm Demi Michelle Schwartz, and I'm thrilled you're joining me on my songwriting journey. So kick back and relax, don't fall flat, and remember, stay right on track. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Write On Track. I am so excited because joining me today from across the pond is Preston D. Barnes. Hey, Preston.
1: Hey, how are you doing?
0: I'm great. How are you?
1: I'm very well, thank you. Thanks for having me on.
0: Of course. I'm so honored to have you. We are going to have a great conversation today. But before we dive into that, can you share with all the listeners a little about yourself and how you got started in music?
1: Yeah, so... um... I really started in music at 15 years old, after my mum bought me a Christmas present, a keyboard for Christmas, Um, and it came with two free organ lessons. So I went to those organ lessons and soon found out that maybe piano was the way forward for me. Um, So we we did all the grades over here in the UK, um, (coughs) and then... I ended up joining the forces, the, the British Army as a musician at sixteen years old and I've been doing music ever since as a as a British Army musician. So I think the guys that you see outside Buckingham Palace marching up and down in the bands in the red uniforms, um, that's pretty much what I used to do, just in a different type of band than that. So I'm classically trained, musician right from right from an early age. Um and then then really started to move over to sort of pop and um, rock music when I, when I was on The Voice UK in 2016 and then onto country and here I am.
0: Wow, that's incredible. Thank you so much for sharing. I would love to hear more about your experiences being a musician in the British Army. So can you share a little more about that?
1: Yeah, so um, what happens is um, you apply to join the forces and you, you're obviously a soldier first. Um, you do all your soldier training and then you go to a place called the Royal Military School of Music, which is in London. And we have the best London professors of music teach you either a different instrument or um, the instrument that you join the forces on, because you have to do an audition. Um, I joined on piano, weirdly enough, even though you can't carry a piano in a marching band. <laughs> um and then when I when I eventually got to the Royal Military School of Music, they said, "Look, there's no position for a piano player, so you're going to have to play a different instrument completely." So they said the only vacancy in a military band right now is flute. So um, I said, "Okay, I'll play the flute, no problem." And I've never touched the instrument before. It took me one year to get to grade around grade eight, um, and that's doing every day with an instrumental professor from um, London College of Music. Um, And, yeah, you really are taught by the best, you know, some of the best in the world, really. Um, And when you pass all your exams, your grade eight exams, you then get posted to a military band, and that's where my career started. I travelled 38 countries around the world playing for royalty uh, in so many different countries. It was just such an amazing career for 22 years I did that job for.
0: That is so cool. That is incredible. Also, I think it's awesome that you learn flute because a little known fact about me is that I have always wanted to play the flute. It's one of my favorite instruments. It's so pretty. So I think it's so cool that that's the one you had to learn, and such a great experience. I'm sure it was incredible, not only being able to play the music and be part of that, but also, since you said you traveled to so many different places, getting to explore different countries and cultures as well.
1: Yeah, I think that you know the the life experience that the military give you is is second to none, really. I think. Um, And we obviously do the soldier thing as well. So I served in Iraq in 2003 uh, in the war there. Um, uh, And, you know, it's not just music. You do a lot of other things as well. I was a physical training instructor for a period of time. Um, You know, there's so many different things you can do in the military that that you would never get to do anywhere else. Um, And like you say, it's just experience. But the music side of it, I mean I would never in 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 my wildest dreams get to be able to to play in the places that I've I've played in in a military band I think it's just incredible opportunities so I'm really thankful for how my career went really
0: Yeah it sounds like a great opportunity and you've definitely had some incredible experiences from that I can tell So something else you mentioned was being on the Voice UK I think that's incredible can you share your experience with that
1: <laughs> Yeah yeah so in 2016 um, I was I was kind of watching The X Factor for years um, and, you know, just as a bit of a joke with, with a few people I know, I thought, well, maybe I could do quite well on one of them shows. I don't know. I'd love to have a go and see what happens. And then The Voice UK was a brand new show um, and obviously, you know, they can't see you unless they turn around. So it's all about The Voice, which is what I wanted it to be, really. Um, So I applied. It took about seven months to get through to the TV stages. Um, I think 250,000 applied for the show that year. Um, And I did the old queuing up thing outside Wembley uh, and all that type of thing. Um, And I eventually got down to the TV stage and managed to get a chair turn, which is amazing. Um, I learned so much how TV works that experience, I have to say, it's really, really interesting how TV kind of edits things and makes things look good for for the show. Um, And I ended up getting down to the last 26, which was really unexpected, I have to say. But um, it gave me a really good platform after that show um, to start start doing music as a a full-time job when I left the Forces. And um, that's when my record label picked me up. Sonic Boom Records picked me up straight after that show. And um, and we've, I've been with them ever since. So it's, you know, thanks very much for the experience. The Voice UK, I say
0: That's so cool. And I love how you kind of mentioned that it was a different experience getting to be behind the scenes with how the TV actually works. Because those music competition shows definitely can help someone's career. But it's so interesting getting to hear about, like, what really goes on behind the scenes. So what was your biggest challenge? Okay.
1: So when you get to the stage of actually being on the show, uh, you you already, you've already been kind of whittled down. Everybody is, that's not good enough or that wasn't chosen has been told to leave. And then you're left with about a hundred people. And once you get down to those hundred, you know that you're going to be on the show, but the biggest challenge for me was um, on the day that I actually walked out onto that stage live on TV, we was in the green room from nine o'clock in the morning, and I didn't walk onto stage until half past eight at night. So we were sat there for a long time wondering if all the judges had filled their teams up already, because each judge, there's four judges, and they only have 12 spaces per judge. Now, you're not told in the green room if all the judges are now full. Everybody will go out on stage anyway, no matter whether the judges have got any spaces or not. So at half past eight at night, when I was called forward, I never knew whether they were, actually any vacancies on any of the judges teams so i had to go out there and do my best and perform as best i could and i got the last chair turn of that series so i was very very lucky (laughs) to go out at half past eight i think so that's kind of the you know the behind the scenes type things that people don't see Uh, and it's really difficult with the nerds because you see people going on before you and then coming off saying, oh, I wasn't successful, or, you know, there's so many different emotions going on that day. And I suppose the best best part of 11 and, a, 11 and a half hours, I was wondering if I could do it. So it's just kind of keeping your nerves really settled, you know, before you go out there. I think that was the biggest challenge for me on that show.
0: That's so cool, but when they were calling you guys out when you were doing it for the judges, how did they determine like the order you guys would go out? Was that just random?
1: Yeah. I don't know. (laughs) And I've I've always wondered what I've always wondered how that works because when the show was aired, um I think I recorded that in the November and then the actual show was aired in March the year after. So it's not live on TV at that stage. Um, and when it was aired on TV afterwards, there was also... See, I was still serving in the British Army at that point, so the TV show made a real big deal about the fact that I was a soldier, and unknown to me through the whole process, there was actually somebody else on the show that I'd never met, and he was serving in the Royal Navy. Now, I'd never met this guy, and when I watched the show back for the first time in March, the Navy guy came out on stage first and then the TV show made it look like I walked out straight after him. But actually, we were never there on the same day. I think what the show had done is... There's there's a big thing over here in the UK, especially within the forces, um, and it's always Army versus Navy, whether that's a rugby match, a football match, Uh, There's always that competition. So the fact that I was from the Army and this other guy that I'd never met was from the Navy, I think the TV show had made a big kind of spectacle of that and edited it to kind of make it look like we were both on the same night. So really, really cleverly done. I have to say, you know, the BBC TV show did a, a fantastic job at how they'd done it. But I was just so unaware that this was going to happen, so I even I was shocked on the on the day, you know. I'd, and um, and unfortunately, the navy guy never got through; he didn't get a chair turn, and I did. So that was the kind of the competition between the army and navy. So that's just kind of an interesting, an interesting fact between um, you know what happens behind the scenes, I suppose.
0: Yeah. So whose team were you on then?
1: So uh, Ricky Wilson from the Kaiser Chiefs turned round for me. Um, and he's a, he's a great guy. I'm still in touch with him now. Um, he's, he's a really nice guy. And um, I then went on to do the battles, um, which was the next stage in the show. And that's when I ended up leaving the show at that point. Uh, but, um, you know, it's a great experience and I can I can never say that I wish I'd never done it. I'm really, really happy I've done it because I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now if I hadn't done that show.
0: Yeah, no, that's fantastic. It's so interesting hearing about all of this. So let's shift gears a little bit and chat about your songwriting process. So what is your songwriting process?
1: Uh, Well, currently, um, interestingly enough, we are working with some extremely good songwriters from over in Nashville. Um, I do write my own songs. I, I haven't released one of my own songs yet. And I'll tell you why. Uh we're working with a uh a songwriter hall of fame guy. His name's Steve Dorf. He lives over in Nashville. Um, and his son, Andrew Dorf, was a famous country songwriter. Um, he's written for Rascal Flatts, uh, George Strait, uh, Celine Dion. There's lots of people that this guy's this guy's written for. Toby Keith, another one. Um and Steve Dorff got hold of us a few years ago now and said, look, I love this guy's voice. I'd love to give you some songs. Maybe you can produce them over in the UK um, and you can release them into the UK country charts. So we kind of said, yeah, that'd be amazing. Thanks very much. And what we didn't know at the time was actually these songs were written by Andrew Dorff, his son, uh, who unfortunately passed away a few years ago and he was only about 40 years old. Um, he's an award-winning songwriter and to, to be able to be given the opportunity to record and release some of the songs that this guy wrote is mind-blowing for me because he wrote Yours, uh, Yours If You Want It, Rascal Flats. There's so many people that this guy's written for and Now, I've released three singles previous to this, one that's coming out on Friday, Um, and the two songs that Andrew Dorf and Steve Dorf sent over for us, we got a number two and a number five in the charts. So, just goes to show how good those songs are. Um, So, we're really blessed to be working with people like that.
0: For sure. No, that's super interesting. I think it's so cool how you're not only able to record these songs written by such great songwriters, but that they also resonate with you as an artist to be able to release them, make your own spin on it and see them hit the charts. That must be a great feeling.
1: Yeah, it is. And especially, um, you know, Steve himself is is kind of um, quite reluctant to give out certain songs that Andrew wrote. Um, and the fact that he gave us three of his songs uh, was, was a real kind of shocking moment for us. We, we really didn't think that you know, we would we would be able to do that being British, actually. Um, we thought that he'd given to an American country singer, possibly. But he's taken a punt on us and he's done, you know, it's, it's really worked out well because he's kind of making some waves over here in the UK, which is great.
0: That's fantastic. Fantastic. So now let's talk about your new single, Castles on Quicksand. Can you share the inspiration behind this and... Um the story behind this one.
1: Okay, so this is interesting. And I don't know if you'll remember this, um, but there is an American TV show called um called California Dreams. And that was on TV. It was really famous back in early nineteen nineties, so nineteen ninety-two, I think. Um and it was a little bit like Saved by the Bell, I suppose. Now, on that TV show, it's about a a bunch of college students that have a rock band and uh, they play the songs within the series of the show. Now, we never knew this, but we know a songwriter over here in the UK called Paul Bliss, who's written for the Hollies. Um, He's written for lots of famous people, and we know this guy. And he said, look, I've got a song called Castles on Quicksand, that has been released before. Um, It's been released by a band called Think Out Loud, and that was a a really heavy rock track back in the 90s. But the first people to ever sing this song was on a California Dreams TV show. Oh, wow. Now, we never knew any of this information. (laughs) And we kind of found out about this going through the process of recording it. Now, it was only last week that we realised That actually yesterday, so the 12th of September, was the day that the first episode of California Dreams TV uh, was released on NBC in 1992, which is exactly 30 years ago to the day. Oh, wow. Now, coincidentally, we're now releasing Castles on Quicksand, which these guys played on that TV show all the way back in 1992. As a, rock, as a rock track, we've reproduced that track into a country track and we are releasing it on the 30th anniversary and we never knew anything about the fact that it was the 30th anniversary. So we've contacted the people on the show, the, um, the actors on the show and the musicians on the show. Um, and one particular guy really likes the song. He thinks it's a great version um, Steve Kipner is another songwriter he wrote uh, Genie in a Bottle for Christina Aguilera he loves the song as well which is amazing um, so we, we're kind of hoping that California Dreams fans over in America will listen to this song and go wow I remember that song but I don't remember it being a country track and I'd love to know the their response to these people you know so I'm really excited for this song coming out because um, it's something its something really interesting for the people that were watching that show back in 1992. How cool is that?
0: That is such a cool story. It's almost like it's meant to be, you know? <laughs> I know.
1: <laughs> and we never knew anything about it until last week.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that is a fantastic story. I love it. and I love how you're completely flipping the genre around too and making it fit your style I think that's awesome and that leads into another question I have for you which is about covering songs which this is basically a cover song and for me personally like I write all my songs so when I release a cover song I've only I've only released one cover song so far and I'm planning on doing another next year but the main thing for me is like I still need to find a way of making it me and a flavor of my own songwriting in that and so for you taking a song that is so like rooted in this show and people know it and a different genre like what was your process of taking that song and making it your own instead of just doing a remake of the original version
1: yeah so that was the hardest part of of the whole process I've got some really, really talented musicians in my team here. I've got Mark Wickenden, who is my producer, um, who owns my record label, Sonic Boom Records. And I've all, my guitar player, Ben Newton, he's also a co-producer of this song. And we basically all, all went to the studio. We listened to the California Dreams version of this song, which is a rock track. And we also listened to the band Think Out Loud, who also released it in the 90s. Um, And we thought, what can we do with this? How can we make that country? Because it's really difficult when you listen to a song and then try and make it into a completely different genre of music. So we got the guitar sounds right. Uh, We put the drums were a lot heavier on the track that we've produced. Um, We've got the country guitar sound in there as well. Um, And I had to change my voice ever so slightly for this song um, to try and make it a little bit more authentic down the country route. Um, We've we've speeded the song up very slightly, just a little bit, uh, to give it a little bit more of a country kick. And the whole process took about, about, three weeks i think of constantly in the studio coming up with ideas and then we give it to a live drummer and we said look we've we've produced the music here can you now lay whatever you think the drums should sound like onto that track and we left him alone for a week and he delivered that song back to us with the drums on and it inspired us even more to keep going and because this guy the drummer is amazing on this track. So it, I think it was more about giving it to one person, see what your ideas, ideas are like, give it to a drummer, see what his ideas are like, and then onto guitars, etc., etc. And then Mark Wickenden, the producer, would sit down, sort it all out, and that is exactly what you're going to hear on Friday, which is, I think it's a really, really clever way of re-releasing a, a rock track. But see what you think, because you know, so many people's opinions are different, aren't they? Mm,
0: um, yeah.
1: But it is really difficult to change a song into a different genre, but these guys have done it and I'm I'm really super happy with the result of it, so.
0: sounds like a great experience and I love too how it was so collaborative. And I think that's really where the magic happens when you have all of these talented musicians who are working toward a common goal and seeing how you can take that song, make a country to fit you Yeah. and kind of taking everyone's different ideas and spins and seeing what comes out of that. Yeah. And I exactly. think regardless of the industry being subjective, I would feel super proud if I was you, cause this is a great project. And also what a great story tied to the show too.
1: I know. I just couldn't believe the story happened like that. that I mean, that's, you couldn't time it any better, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh us as a team here we we're, we're only a, a five man team um so very small really in in theory um and to get these uh, the actors involved and to get the actors response to what has recently only been a 30 second snippet of the song that i've put out on social media um and they're all loving it so i mean to be 30 year anniversary we just it's just like it must be fate. I don't know.
0: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) something like it for sure. So before we go, I have one more question for you. What advice would you like to give to any aspiring artists listening?
1: Okay, so I get asked this question all the time. And I think you just need to be true to yourself. You need to know which direction you, you want to go in. You need to trust your instincts And stick by things that really, really suit you as a musician. Because when you get live on stage, if you're doing something that really suits you and you're really enjoying it, then that will come across to any audience across the whole world. So stay true to yourself um, and always be comfortable in what you're doing, I think.
0: Fabulous advice. Thank you so much for joining me. This has been such an incredible conversation. So interesting. And I really enjoy getting the opportunity to chat with you before we go. Can you share where the listeners can find you on social and listen to your music?
1: Yeah. So um, just type in Preston D Barnes on any download platform and you'll, you'll find my, my songs that are available and the new song that's coming out on Friday um my socials for facebook and instagram are preston d barnes official and twitter is preston underscore d barnes um i'd love for you to all join me on there because there's lots of exciting things happening right now
0: fabulous well thank you so much again for joining me listeners i hope you enjoyed this conversation with preston and of course until next time stay Stay right right on on track. track